Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, uh, welcome to the Comic News today, and uh, we got some uh, interesting stories for you today, and uh, we're going to get to those very quickly, of course. Uh, but uh, first thing I want to do is uh, introduce to those who are with me. Uh, we have Denali, of course. How are you doing today, sir? Doing very well. Yes. And we are we are also joined by Doctor Wright. How are you feeling today? I am good. Thank you very much for asking. Oh, excellent. Uh, and uh, I'm nice as well. I have a beautiful sunny day here. I uh, had a cup of coffee, but it's gone now. But a nice cool day. I'm enjoying myself. And uh, we're going to get ourselves into the news. But before we do that, uh, just uh, remember that uh, we have all our links down below. Uh, please uh, uh, go in there and uh, check those out and, uh, you know, uh, uh, become part of what we're doing. Uh, the Fanspeak uh, Facebook group and, uh, of course, everything else. Uh, and, uh, of course, the biggest thing you can do to help us with these lives is is uh, not only hitting that like button and the su subscribe and notification, of course, please, if you uh, uh, want to help us out with that, please do that. But the biggest thing actually is hitting that share button. And I'm going to actually do that myself right now and let everybody know that we are on. Uh, and I encourage everybody else to do that. Now, um, before we do get into that, uh, now, Denali, uh, uh, yesterday was a fairly uh, slow news day. What do you feel about today? Is this a better news day? Mm, just about the same. Just about the um, same. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, we have now, as I said, we have Dr. Wright here. And uh, Dr. Wright, uh, you've been on a couple of our other shows. Uh, but uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, we've uh, just been kind of doing what we were talking about. We haven't really talked about who you are and what you do. Why don't you introduce yourself to the folks uh, while I do all the little prep stuff I have to do back here? Sure, no problem. So... Yeah, my nom de plume is Dr. Wright. And what I do is just what it says. I write. I love to, uh, I'm trying to get into Comicsgate. I've got a few projects going on right now between about three to four different people um, sharing a concept with, with someone. I have something going on with Pixel Trader. He's one of the guys that comes in here too. Mm -hmm. And I have a project of my own as well that uh, we're going to be putting out hopefully three to four books in the, in the next year. We are, uh, we are looking for, you know, some artists that want to get in on comic skate so you know if you got the chops you got the sequentials let's go you know give me give me a holler um basically i spent about 12 to 13 years in different editorial i was mostly kind of behind the scenes in uh, publishing self-publishing and that kind of thing i helped other people yeah i got paid by a contract obviously usually paid by the word mm -hmm. and you know my job was to make sure that it was content edited not copy edited i wasn't worried about you know the grammar the syntax or any of that sure. what i worried about was character development and plot development yeah narrative design understanding what you know conflicts were present dramatic tension those kind of things so if you you know that i usually offer help for people that, that have that kind of question you know if they're like you know what does my character want who is my protagonist what is this going on you know what is uh what, you know what does it mean for a villain to be a hero of their own story if you have any of those kind of questions feel free to ask you know uh, dr wright is in on twitter and uh, i'll do my best to help you sweet excellent and uh denali is over there in the chat and up here as well but uh, uh if you could do us a favor denali and throw that link for dr wright up there and uh so we could go check that out uh really happy to have you with us by the way and your insight on the news sir uh so while uh, uh denali does that why don't i just go ahead and uh 
and bring up today's first bit of news, uh, which is, I don't know, it's uh, uh, the world today. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about it. And uh, here you go. Venom's most disgusting secret revealed by Marvel. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, this is uh, quite the little article they have going on here. And this is, of course, coming from Screen Rant, uh, which, as you can see, our intrepid Denali, uh, the Denali Lama, of course. Namaste. Uh <laughs> Uh, goes around the internet and he finds information everywhere he could find it, including places like Screen Rant and Gizmodo and the Mary Sue, which I can't believe that actually came out of my mouth, but it did. Uh, and uh, he's found a very interesting story. Now, Denali, please tell us what is this disgusting secret that they have revealed? So they kind of give a little background story about Venom and how his mouth and all his stuff works. And then they go on to some recent <laughs> events uh, with Eddie Brock, uh, where he's confronted by an evil uh, Richard uh, from the Fantastic Four, evil Richard. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I see uh, or read uh, was uh, kind of interesting. Um, they basically said one of what does Venom do or the symbiotes do when they consume their preys, and and they basically say yes, Venom saliva is basically the excrements of the symbiotes. So every time <laughs> um, Venom is slobbering on any superhero or anybody uh -huh. that's actually him excrementing all his stuff uh, on them. Goodness gracious. Now, do we really need to know that? You see, that's the question, right? Uh, was it necessary uh, that we had to have uh, uh, an understanding that his excrement was all over the place? Does it add something to the story? And you know what, guys? We have Dr. Wright here with us, who is an actual writer. Uh, so, Dr. Wright, tell us, does this add something to the story? Is this valuable? Not really. I mean, <laughs> I know what they're going for. Yeah. What they're trying to associate it with is, is kind of like, uh, because it's a symbiote, and these people have the intelligence of a flea. They're comparing it to something like an amoeba, where it kind of has the the same. It don't. It doesn't have you know too many openings, and it kind of just excretes itself through its own skin, kind of thing. But since that's the opening, that's where they're going. And then they're probably all also saying that it, you know they'll say after a while that oh it's also like you know like a fly where a fly like actually uh, expels its digestive contents onto something and then slurps it back up, so it's just trying to make it disgusting and give it kind of a shock and awe factor. But it's really stupid and it's a badly written design. I mean, there's no narrative reason for it. There's nothing interesting about it. They're just trying to do, like I said, like shock and awe. Like look at how gross this is. Yeah, and I don't know, catch like the twelve year olds. I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay, well, you know. Trying to sell a 12-year-old isn't that bad an idea, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't sound very interesting to me. Uh, but uh, hey, uh, let's go ahead and uh, continue on since uh, that pretty much answers it, doesn't it? <laughs> now, the next one <laughs> pretty much, yeah, is uh, a, a little bit more in-depth of a, a conversation, I think. Uh, the Simpsons might be quietly removing Apu from the show entirely. Now, uh, Denali, tell us, why would they do that, man? Because... <clears throat> certain people starting that you know 
self-identifies as social justice warriors and, you know, being PC and all that, says that a poo is a racial stereotype that doesn't represent the better qualities of Indians um, and those who migrate here. So they brought up a stink storm and finally they're saying, okay, you know what? We're going to quietly write him out of the show and they hired this one gentleman um, um, to write Apu because he's also Indian American and because okay. that's all PC and because stuff. Because that matters, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that's interesting you say that he, he, he doesn't show the better points of uh, Indian culture, and uh, that actually makes me wonder. Uh, he does show Indian culture, which is something Americans never really get to see, so it's something that was introduced to Americans. Uh, he's a loyal father, a loyal friend, a successful businessman, uh, other than it's a comedy show and a farce at that. Uh, I, are those not good qualities? Uh, am I misunderstanding something? Well, I, I don't expect them to spend 20 years plus watching the thing. They've probably seen some recent episode and got outrage because. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh it's just this nonsense PC culture. I mean, in, in truth, it's the same thing happened with the... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw this, uh, Dr. Wright, but uh, uh, we had a little while ago with Scarlett Johansson was going to play a uh, transgender pimp, I guess, <laughs> whatever, uh, for a movie. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a huge outlash uh, from these these types, these ultra progressive crazy people uh, that, uh, you know, were like, how dare you? She's not a transgender, just like they uh, got upset with the uh a girl that's playing a Batwoman as she's not lesbian enough. And it's like, I don't even understand what that means. Uh, But, uh, you know, come back to Scarlett Johansson. I mean, uh, what Scarlett did was, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. And she got out of it. And now there's no movie at all. So in the same way, what you're doing is ultimately what they're doing is removing one of the only representations of Indians on American TV from American TV. Uh, Don't you think that's counterproductive? Well, what I think is, is it's just, it's a silly sentiment because they're saying, okay, this person doesn't represent, you know, Indian culture. Well, they're not supposed to, they're not an Indian, they're Indian American. That's right. You know, they're an American, they're really American first and Indian second. I mean, if they migrated here, how long have they been here? What kind of, I mean, my grandmother, you know, she died at like 83 years old. She was a hundred percent Japanese. She was born in Okinawa, but you know what? She sounded like a redneck when she died. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because she grew up in Georgia. She grew up with, you know, my, my grandfather brought her back, you know, they were in Kingsland, Georgia. They spent, you know, like 60 years together. And that's, you know, what she knew. That was her culture. You know what I mean? She didn't, I mean, she still like knew how to cook some of the foods and that kind of thing. But for the most part, she was American. She, in fact, she was Southern American. She just happened to have a different color skin and, a, a, a you know, kind of a mishmash of an accent, which was always hilarious to us. But, <laughs> in, you know, regardless, like it was. Well, we were the only people, you know, it was like Boomhauer. Like we were like three people that could understand her. And I was one of them, you know, the, 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 the prophetic genius, you know, she'd come out and say these words and everybody'd look at her. You could hear the music, oh, you know, and then we'd say like, she wants a sandwich and everybody'd be like, okay, get her a sandwich. And yeah, uh, nobody by so, nobody been about saying, going there. Very uh, anticlimactic. But who isn't, yeah. he's, he's not supposed to be Indian. He was never supposed to be Indian. Was he supposed to be, uh, you know, a bit of satire, a bit of, you know, like sardonic culture? Yeah. 
I mean, what's next? Are we going to make fun of the robot, the one-eyed Cyclops in, in Futurama? Oh, hey, yeah, future Cyclopses, man. We can't, you know, we got to have them. The whole idea of cultural appropriation is abhorrent and stupid and ignorant. And it completely is counterproductive toward not only uh, culture in general, but progression. Like, it's kind of funny they call themselves progressives. Because wouldn't progression mean that we share our cultures and we get the best of both? That's we work we forward to something in unity, something that's yes. beautiful. You know, they had like they had to change the idea of the melting pot. Now we can't say we're a melting pot in schools anymore. We're like, what are what are we now? Like a salad or something? Something that's easily divisible. You, you reach in and pick out the tomato I'd instead of it be being a salad. no salad, right? Yeah, and nobody likes anyway, salads. A, a, a some um, some sort of you know homogenous solution. Everybody wants to be their own color with their own delineated railways. You know that you can't even see the other person. Why? I mean, I want to, you know, like, look at uh, one of the, the great examples, and I've seen this actually in a, a Medicare video, you know, ho hopefully it doesn't hate everybody for bringing that up, is uh, Baby Metal, you know, the, the oh, group yeah. in, in Japan. You have these, like, mm -hmm. these, these kind of attractive, young little anime-ish uh, girls with a lot of energy, a lot of exuberance, and what, but what are they playing in the background? They're playing like, you know, like hardcore heavy metal death music, sounds yeah. like, but it's just the chords. What they're actually singing about are things like chocolate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but they're, it's so awesome. They're a bit of a you know? meme here in Japan, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, no, I get your point. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I'm sure and, they are. And we, that's mean, why we it... don't call them progressives. We call them regressives because that's what they are. I think one of the exactly. funniest PG, uh, PC uh, cultural appropriation things that gets me is, uh, uh, you know, we could I could simply turn around and say, well, OK, well, stop speaking my language, right? Uh, you're appropriating my language, English. Uh, stop exactly. appropriating my genes and uh, uh, my my. And then you could stuff. go back to like you know stop appropriating you know anything Latin of of Latin derivation, anything of Cyrillic, anything. I mean, it's so stupid. If you it go back, dumb. it's like, yeah. you know, you, like some of the things that they say are like, you know, one of the big things with the, with the MAGA maker is they they go on and on about how we killed the Indians, and I'm like, do you guys realize we were just one of the last land grabs, right? Like that happened throughout culture everywhere. <laughs> that's true and no, there are much. plenty of indians around i don't think we did a good job killing them off if that's what we were, our plan was uh but uh, uh actually the uh the one that kills me is what is the uh, one about dreadlocks and uh, you can't you can't wear dreadlocks and it's so stupid because uh, do you think that blacks are the only ones that have dreadlocks i mean every culture in the world has had dreadlocks at one point or another it's just it's so silly it shows a complete ignorance of anything uh, of, of understanding anything. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, they, well, it was, a, it was a war culture. It was the thing. It was yeah. a way in which you, you know, you kept your hair so that it was short. And once you did it, it kept it that way for days and you didn't have to mess with it. You know what I mean? It wasn't in your way. And I mean, so that's all it was. And it was like, there's like the Maori, the Maori in uh, New Zealand. They did that. I mean, the Celtics did that, the, right. you know, Native Americans. I mean, there's nobody's got, it's like spirit animals. You know, some SJW went off on, uh, we're waiting on spirit animals. And I'm like, everybody's had those. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The Japanese <laughs> you know? still have them. Yeah. You know, what do you think? Shinto religions right there. Exactly. You know, Slepnir, yeah. the wolf. What do you think all that was? You think, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. come on. <laughs> come on. People read your history. And that's the thing. I don't think they read any history except for what they're told. And then they're like, let me, they don't read. True. They listen. Exactly. They, don't read. they, they go on yeah. Tumblr. They go on the internet, and they go look at this meme, you know, or look at what this person that I believe in said. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, you know, it goes back to, uh, you know, what is it? The um, the behavior book in 1962 that was written, you know, where they they talked about the Nazi, uh, the whole Nazi culture is like a religion. Yeah. You know, and they said that 
they have they kind of build you know hitler and then under hitler they build these sort of lieutenants these social lieutenants and whatever yeah. these social lieutenants do they almost pass off the consequence you know or or, or they they sort of uh, take on the consequence rather to the people they tell to do them so like they tell people you know go kill this person and the person's like okay because you told me to it's it's all right you know the the perils of obedience that was the the, the paper that was done and yeah. you know the SJWs they follow that paradigm to a T which is funny why they call everybody else Nazis you know yeah um, exactly exactly yeah <laughs> and no i read that i read that paper uh basically um and they also did a famous um Nobody's test where, yeah where they had people uh do uh sit down and they said when we tell you you're going to turn the knob and what the knob does and across on the other room is a person strapped to an electric device and the knob is they the couldn't output. see them yeah they couldn't they see could, them they couldn't see them at all so you'll hear my voice through this speaker and we'll tell command you to do it and what they learn is about 97% of the participant would turn the knob because they were ordered to all the way to deadly with no disregard. Yeah. What it, was, it went from zero to, to I think it was mm -hmm. like 50,000 volts yes. and or 50,000. And what they would do is they would add every increment. And this was different people. They pulled people from the school, like students. They pulled affluent people, poor people. And it, it came across, it was the same across the board. It was at least a 67% correlation, which on a go, no-go is yes. Okay? Absolutely. And, yeah. when, and what that means is that most people, yes, if there is an abnegation of consequence, will do whatever they're told. And what these people, I mean, they would have this person screaming bloody murder on the other side. And the doctor's like, it's okay. You can keep going. Wow. And well, the guys I, are like, okay, if you I, say so. <laughs> I know personally I wouldn't do it, but hey, I'm just obstinate. Uh, let me come over here to the chat and uh, say hello and uh, not let them feel like they're so alone. Uh, we have Tank Ferret over here. Thank you very much for following us over here, man. Uh, and he's got a few things to say. He claims this chat in the name of Pope Rogue. Hail the Emperor. Yes, I agree. Uh, Hoth Rebel A86 says Dr. Wright makes great YouTube videos as well. Yes, Adele has dropped that link in there. Uh, we're getting some more praise from you. Greetings, everyone, from Mighty Geek uh, Studios. So, greetings to you, sir. Uh, uh, we have some uh, other people come in and make some comments. Uh, Hoth Rebel 86 says they're turning Venom into a garbage pale kid character. Hmm. Interesting. That's a, uh, that is a that's a very good comparison actually because they were basically you know caricatures of certain satirical things you know of certain like like really gross ideas and it's true it's exactly what they're doing yeah it's a very uh, good absolutely uh, uh money geek says that uh apu is a staple in the symptoms yes he was uh hoth rebel says apu has taught me so much about any culture that i would have never found out on my own yep exactly but no more it is gone Hello, Primax Sanguinius. He says, uh, uh, R R R.I.P., rest in peace, Apu. The Simpsons got, just got a whole lot whiter. Mm, that's another point, I guess. But uh, those of us over here, we don't really think about that. Uh, Primark also says that self-awareness seems to be a rare commodity in today's society. I would agree. Uh, Mighty Geek Studio says that NPCs don't read because if they did, they would realize that they are the very thing they hate. <laughs> irony. Isn't that the definition of irony, Dr. Wright? No, but it's close. <laughs> Thank you. It is uh, I want a more irony. emphatic, no, you idiot. 
But, uh, oh no! <laughs> I said dramatic you up, irony. Man. That was like is, a layup. Uh, it's more or less the uh, easiest way to describe it is dramatic irony is when the audience or the reader knows something that the the players, you know, or, or the characters within it don't. And uh, that's usually the you know sense of dramatic irony. But in this case, I mean, I understand what they're saying. Usually, when they when uh, it's it's like the old song, you know, it's like rain on your wedding day. It's like no, that's not irony. That's a coincidence. But thank you. <laughs> yes, it's a coincidence. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, but that's all right. Uh, a lot of people don't understand the actual how to use irony correctly. Uh, but that uh, but in a way, what it has done, like many of these other things we're talking about, the word irony has become culturally changed. It is used to talk about coincidence or or things that are uh, oddly connected or what have you. Uh, and it's not the correct use, but it's the way it's been used and it's changed. See, culture changes when we interact with each other. You see, uh, when we take things like uh, Mexican food, and then uh, the cowboys take that and they turn it into an American version of it, and then we get Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex, right? And everyone goes around and says, "Oh, this is great Mexican food, and you shouldn't do it because you're not Mexican. How dare you make it like that thing that happened over in Portland?" And it's like, uh, no, you do realize that these things that you are claiming to be Mexican aren't actually Mexican at all. They're Tex-Mex, like pizza uh, from Italy. It's not what pizza looks like. Your idea of pizza is not what it started out to be. It was more like a tomato casserole, right? Uh, so right. Uh, this, my point I'm trying to make here, uh, as insubtly as uh, I am, is that uh, cultural appropriation is a good thing. So Yeah, C cultural drift. Yeah, well, you can call it whatever you want. Yeah, uh, it, but, it, but, 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 but yes, yeah, speaking from an English teacher, which that's what you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we should take back the word irony to the original meaning and kind of have that dramatic players. And the thing about with these individuals, which, you know, people are saying NPC or SD, mm -hmm. SJW or whatever you, they self identify as or whatever, um, they have to be a dramatic player and they're not, they're just following the leader. And are not realizing that, so there's no sense of irony, no dramatic irony, because there's no players, even though we see them just marching off the cliff because sure. they don't care. Yeah, but uh, Hothraid uh, Rebel eighty six makes a very good point. Irony makes my dress shirts look nice. Ha, ha that's a dad ba, joke. Ba, dude. Ba, da. That is absolutely a good dad joke. Model three is here. Very good. Uh, I'm glad to see you, dude. I really love that uh, 3D model you did the other day. I want to see more of that, dude. Uh, good evening, all, he says. Thank you. Uh, Mighty Geek Studio says In Italy, pizza was a way to serve leftovers originally. Yep. A lot of foods is that way. It's just a way for you to use what you got left over. Stews and all that kind of stuff is just a way to uh, take the food you have and to make it edible and useful to at the time. Absolutely. Uh, and, of course, exactly. if you go to Italy today and you order pizza, you know what you get? You get American pizza. How nice that is. See, things go back and forth, don't they? Uh, like you go over yep. to America and you get sushi. It's not what the Japanese would call sushi, but you know what? The California roll can be found in Japan today. Amazing, right? I still remember being in Paris for a job mm. and they put an egg in the middle of my pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> 
And, and I was like, what, why do you do this? <laughs> see, that's the cool thing about cultural exchange is the fact that you get all these cool things come out of it. Because one culture will say, hey, that's cool. And then they'll add something to it and make it better. Uh, uh, once again, using a Japanese reference because I'm over here, uh, they have a lot of great foods that they have taken from Western people and said, well, how can we do it? And it gets you things like chicken namban and uh, uh, jidori and a whole bunch of other things they've got, uh, you know, especially a lot of meat things. Because something that a lot of foreigners might not understand is that uh, before the Meiji Restoration that took place here in Japan, uh, Japanese didn't eat meat. It was against their religion. Uh, they ate some bird and they, they, they actually, it's kind of cute. They, uh, uh, when you count things here in Japan, depending on what the thing is, you use a different word. Uh so, for instance, if you're you're talking about some kind of roundest object, you might say ko, or if you talk about a flat thing, you might say mai. Uh, but if you're talking about a bird, uh, where if you talk about like a cat or a dog or a normal animal, you would just use like picky was the word they use, uh, non-picky, how you know, a san picky, like three uh, three of them. Uh, but uh, if you're talking about birds, you would use wan, like san wan, three birds, right? Uh, but they also mm -hmm. used it with rabbit. They count rabbit as San Juan. And the reason they did it was because they really liked to eat rabbit and they, they tried to find a way around it. So they kind of cheated the system and saying, oh, the rabbit's got long ears. That, that's kind of as Juan. We can eat that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really cool. But I mean, once again, uh, cultural sharing and cultural growth is a good thing. But we do need to move on to the next story. But uh, we could talk all day about examples of that. And it's just such a nonsense. I don't understand these people, but whatever. I never will. Uh, now, uh, Danelli, we have Michael Rooker. Marvel firing James Gunn is terrible, but he has Suicide Squad. Tell us about this, sir. So he, um, they caught up with him, uh, the interview, J.K. Schmidt, um, at um, Walker Stalker Convention in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, yeah, it's terrible that uh, Gunn was fired, but he has Suicide Squad because he's writing and directing it. And that's, and that struck to me because we only have confirmation that he's only writing the movie, not directing the movie. Yeah. And we all know that Michael Rooker is a longtime collaborator with James Gunn. So maybe that's a <laughs> oops moment from uh, Mr. Rooker where he uh, uh, released the news before it could be official. Maybe. And we we may be seeing James Gunn behind the helm as well. And of course, this uh, this news is not the interesting news. Uh, what the interesting news is is that James Gunn is still working. Uh, do you have any opinions on that, Doctor Wright, as far as uh, the whole James Gunn incident? What do you think about that, man? I think it's a little bit hypocritical. I think uh, WB is kind of stepping in it here. I mean, you're basically making an enemy of Disney, which I think, you know, I mean, what do they own? Like 37% of all the national entertainment media now or international entertainment media. I mean, they've got China kind of, they, they have China when nobody else does really. They've got trying to move into Japan and, you know, other sectors. And I mean, I just think that's a bad move. I wouldn't have done it personally, but I mean, I do, I do see what they, what they see, which is, you know, $800,000 a movie. Great, great everything. But I mean, then he was also pushed by the Disney machine that was already kind of pre-created. Like it was already, you know what I mean? I mean, it started with Iron Man. It was already up and going by that time that's right. with the whole Marvel thing. So like, what is he going to have now? Suicide Squad was not a, well not a good movie. It was not widely accepted. It, it was, was whole, you know, every, it was horrific. It was poorly written, poorly directed, and poorly edited. It failed on three on three counts. Yeah, yeah, the acting wasn't horrible. That's true. 
but yeah, no, it, it, it it's, um, you know, the thing with James Gunn, it's a, a very unfortunate that it came out. And uh, yes, I, I most certainly do agree that uh, Primark Sanguinis, the things he said were really bad uh, in his tweet, in those old tweets. But uh, the thing that comes up with it for me is uh, that Michael Gunn, James, excuse me, James Gunn is actually a very talented person. He, he's very skilled at what he does and it's kind of it is an unfortunate loss so ha- part of me is like yeah i'm happy to see him work again and the other part of me is like uh ooh. you know well he'll have the stig- uh, stigma of why he got fired in any, any future projects so you know and he has to produce he has to make this a hit they're willing to give him a chance but probably the condition is you have to make at least this much money on this movie and if not, you're going to have a harder time working. No, that's absolutely because yeah. because remember um, he was going to announce a project with Sony um, in San Diego Comic Con when the news broke out when about the whole um, tweets that he made. Mm-hmm. You know, he deleted them and then he apologized for it, and then the next day he got fired. Yeah. Um, and after that, we haven't heard anything about those that seek that pro- horror Sony project he was working on. It kind of went radio silence. So just, either, you know, go ahead. No, no, I just, it's all very unfortunate. Yeah. So, and you know, just because we can't accept James Gunn, we also have to be cognizant that, you know, there's a lot of people under James Gunn that were looking for that work for when you hold a production of a movie, it's, and writer, then you're causing about hundreds where they're going to be filming a, a loss of revenue, loss of job, loss of income. And, you know, and that's really the unfortunate part because, yeah, you know, the carelessness of his action caused other people to suffer, not just himself only. True, true. And uh, unless uh, you want to have anything to add to this, Dr. Wright, I'm going to move it along and uh, uh, to the next story. Anything to add? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I don't personally agree that people should be fired for what they say on Twitter or anyone else. Mm-hmm. I actually believe that people should be able to say whatever they want and judge it only on the merit of the work. However, in the case of this particular instance, I also know that Disney is first and foremost a medium of child's entertainment and education. And you cannot have pedophilia and children in the same circle. Yes. Correct. And that's yeah. and that was the number one reason why they fired him. To remember, Disney is a family-friendly company. That's what they do. That's what they market their in-house, indoors um, brand and and theme parks. Yeah. And now yeah. everybody, when they're going to the theme parks and everything, will see. You know, they'll probably be phasing that slowly out for the time being. Oh sure. And if it had been any other subject matter, he would not have been fired. But, you know, it is what it is. So, moving on. Wolverine debuts his new comic book superpower. Now, that sounds exciting. Or maybe not. I don't really know if Wolverine needs any new superpowers. But, hey, he's got one. Uh, So, Denali, tell us, what is this amazing thing that is happening with Wolverine? It must be awesome. His claws light up. And glow really hot. Okay. Uh, why? Hey, lightsaber, lightsaber, because he came 
and it's Wolverine with lightsaber claws that he doesn't have fully. It happens occasionally. Okay, thank because you, it's Janelle. a Disney. Janelle has okay. been working on his sound effects. Let's go. Let's clap. Mm -hmm. uh, come on, Doctor Riley, let's clap. Very nice, very nice, very nice. Okay, uh, keep that up. But uh, all right, so basically, uh, I saw a little bit of this earlier before. This is the first time I've seen this. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, Dr. Wright, do you have any opinion on burning claws and Wolverine, which doesn't really seem to make any sense, and they haven't really explained why at all? It's just stupid i mean i mean <laughs> i hate to put it that simply but it I, he was cool enough he's always been an interesting character and the thing that makes characters more interesting is that they have more challenges not less so by doing this you you've uh you know you're going to give him even more ability like i mean i think it describes in one of the articles like he sparks the gasoline which is just dumb because that's not even how that would work it's no. not the gasoline that that ignites it's the depends on the uh, the vapor density how thin it is and it, it would ignite what's above it not the gasoline and then it's just yeah i mean i don't know all of it is just silly um it seems like it's almost like you know we used to say corny things were comic booky and then comic books became became interesting and you know, uh, interesting and, and insightful commentaries into our time and our history. And now they're becoming caricatures. You know, they're turning them into absolute caricatures. They're just jokes to sick, semi-circular, uh, tracked, you know, seminal track jokes. And it's horrible. It's really offensive. Sorry, I, I know this is a rant, but that's just amazing. It's it's a lot of postmodernism um, structures that's going on where before it was used with subtly and has poignancy. Now it's just like, as you said, Dr. Wright, just a joke and hollowness. It's like, <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> just to me, <laughs> they won't get it because I'm too smart for them. <laughs> kind oh of my. Interesting. Um, well, uh, I don't really have much to say about it. Uh, other than the fact that, uh, you know, adding something to a character can be cool if it makes sense. Uh, but I, Wolverine is so well established. I just don't think he needs anything like that. And it's, uh, it, and you need to think it out a little bit. And I think what you guys have touched on is something I've noticed. You go back and read some of the old books, uh, uh written by some actually quite clever writers. Uh, you see them not only tie these stories in that, uh, come together over an arc of many, many, many issues, uh, but you also see them go out and do some work and some research to try to make it as believable as possible. Now, we're talking about comic book, just like uh, science fiction or anything else, there is a certain bit of, uh, you know, you have to, you know, suspend your disbelief. I mean, I, I mean, it is something that needs to be done, uh, but we want to keep that to an absolute minimum as possible. We want it to be as believable as possible because that way it, it's more fun. And the problem I think that I'm seeing uh, overall with a lot of these writers, that uh, new writers that have come in, uh, for Marvel and uh, DC is they do not do the research. 
They don't go out and do the legwork. They just write things, and sometimes it looks like a single draft, uh, which uh, uh, Dr. Wright can uh, certainly say. I mean, I've written quite a bit of things myself as well, but I'm not uh, not at the level he is. Uh, but uh, you don't do that. You do your research, you collect the evidence, then you put it together and you write it, and then you rewrite it again, then you rewrite it again, and then you rewrite it again. That's how you do it until it, it's smooth. That's that's how you write. Uh, and uh, it looks to me, Dr. Wright, that they're not doing uh, this at all. Now, I'm not, I'm not really focusing on the Wolverine thing here particularly. I'm talking about overall, especially with uh, Marvel. They just don't seem to be doing the research at all, man. Uh, what do you think? I think it's worse than that. I think... When I write something, I mean, you kind of hit on, on some of the subjects there. When I write something, the first thing I do is research whatever I'm writing. You know, I mean, my father, when I was young, he was like, you know, I wanted to, I'm going to uh, take you to the club. You know, he was talking about the uh, the gun range and everything. And they also did archery. And he's like, I want to take you out there and, and buy you a compound bow. And uh, the first thing that I did was begin to learn about physics and linear acceleration. <laughs> That's just the kind of person I am. And I've always been that way. I want to find out, you know, what's underneath, what makes this work, what makes this connect and, you know, what's the connective tissue, the subtext, everything else that, that makes this actually be what it is. And they don't go into that. What they do, what they end up having is a fundamental lack of understanding. It's, you know, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what is actual narrative design, what people actually want. And why the only reason why you would create a new ability, okay, or that I would ever do something is if there was a fundamental change within his physical, you know, impetus. If there was an actual manifestation of something that changed to him, like maybe, uh, you know, he is a mutant, right? So if he had gone under, you know, some great thing, maybe he was in there and he actually couldn't die. And, you know, being that, that it was in there, his body created something that could get out. And that was just turning his healing factor into heat representative on the claws. Okay. I, I can roll with that. I can ride with that. You know what I mean? But show me. Don't tell me. Don't show me like claws that are just red and sparking gasoline and this kind of silly thing. Give me a narrative reason. Let me understand the, the, the complexities of the character because that's what's going to pull me in. We want something that's relatable, right? I mean, those are the kind of stories that you really get into or the, or the, char or the characters that you trust you know, or, or, or that you believe in, you know, that you want to be almost because we get immersed in things that we can either relate to or understand. You know, I mean, you look at the basic conflicts, the six basic conflicts, actually, I'm beginning to write, I'm going to write a blog about this this week. Uh, and I may do a video if there's interest, but there is the six basic conflicts. There used to be seven, but people, you know, Christianity and, and supernatural, they just kind of combined. People don't like that whole God thing. Um, but those six basic conflicts, you know, and those conflicts are the engine that drive dramatic tension. All right. And if you don't have one of those conflicts, you don't have a story. Okay. And there's no conflict with this claw. Why are we seeing it? And that's what I'm getting at. It's like, there's no, if there's no conflict, there's no tension, there's no reason. Take it out. If it doesn't develop a character, it's not action or it doesn't advance the plot. Remove it. Absolutely. That's like one-on-one with writing. If it doesn't move the plot along, don't put it in there. It's that's the simplest, most basic thing you do as a writer. Uh, and uh, like I said, uh, that's a very good point. But uh, I also think it's the research. I mean, it's not hard, especially these days with this absolutely amazing, miracle, magical thing we have called the Internet, where you can research literally any topic you could ever imagine. I mean, wow, look, I mean, when I was younger, we didn't have this internet thing. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. We had a phone on the wall. You go up and you, you uh, wrote, goes around and it goes, dot, 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 dot. I mean, that's what we had. Uh, and if we were going to write something, we had to go to the library. We had to it'd take days or weeks to research anything. You can go some, do, some, do that same research in an hour now. 
uh, and they're not bothering to do it. It's laziness is what it is. It's straight up laziness. And this nonsense of hiring the person because they're the right color or the right ethnicity or the right gender or the right sex or whatever, or, or a preference of sex, it's just nonsense. You hire the person who can do the job. And if that person happens to match the character you have, great, awesome. That's not That has nothing to do with it. You hire the person who can do the writing. And that's the problem we've seen is this absolute degradation to the art of writing. Uh, and comic book writing in particular uh, is a very uh, a more far more difficult than you might think it is. Uh, because if you're writing a novel, you have 300, 400 pages to tell your story. In a comic book, you got, what, 25, 24? And you have to you tell it with the art. And then the uh, the writing has to be something that adds and lifts it and, and, and has to be done over a series. It's not easy easy. Uh, and you need people who are skilled at it. That's uh, not much of a rant, but it is certainly an opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, let's move on to the next story. And this one's, this one, we, I was going to do some Indicron today, but I don't think we will, because I think this is a, a good point that Denali has brought up. And uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read through this. And uh, as I read, uh, Denali and Dr. Wright are going to interject and they're going to give their opinions. And I think uh, Denali, uh, particularly, uh, is, uh, his job involves working with psychology and stuff. Uh, this is something he knows quite a bit about. I believe he have a degree, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's found an interesting little correlation. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and you guys interject uh, as you like. Uh, and it's a, the article here is how narcissism plays the victim and twists the story. Play the victim and twist the story. So... Uh, People with strong narcissism tendencies are known for certain destructive social patterns. Anybody who has had the misfortune of dealing with these types of people may notice that uh, whenever there's uh, conflict or any type of disagreement, they tend to act in an abhorrent yet predictable manner. In this article, we will explore the common behaviors and scenarios where narcissism and otherwise toxic people, hereafter narcissists, uh, play the victim and manipulate the narrative. Uh, Delusion and denial. Narcissists can deal with reality because it contradicts, can't deal with reality because it contradicts what they want to be true. And this creates painful emotions. As a coping mechanism, they lean to, uh, they learn to delude themselves uh, that what is real is actually not real. And however, uh, they see, and who, however they see the situation is real, even though it isn't. Sometimes they truly see it that way. Other times, it's just a story they tell themselves and others. And often, the longer you tell a story, the more you believe it, even if initially you know it's not true. And so eventually, they, start, uh, they may start truly believing it. Either way, the first step is to create a version of events that is an alternative to what actually happened or what's going on. Delusion and denial. So- no, uh, yes. So we see that already. We saw it with, you know, playing with the politics where the left rejected the reality that Donald Trump was elected. Um, and they say that it's Russian interference, it's, you know, voter fraud, it's whatever. We see that um, delusion in the comic book industry as well when, you know, they said, with EVS and others that you're not going to make any money off of this. You're not going to do any success. There's not going to be any things. You're going to just, you're going to be a blip and be gone. And they 
deny the whole thing when we criticize their work. They can't face that reality of, you know, that our realities are valid because that would contradict whatever mentality or whatever they have. And a lot of these people deal with self-depression, low self-esteem, gender confusion, um, and other mental health that are been apparent. Um, would you not agree, Dr. Wright, currently uh, in the comic industry and other creators? I would say this is indicative of the movement as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this is postmodernism on a, basically just, you know, postmodernism given some, you know, some verbiage <laughs> because mm -hmm. uh, more or less what this is saying is that, you know, when, when you can't deal with reality, you create your own, which I mean, yeah, absolutely. And the unfortunate aspect about that is what they, that's the reason why they're attacking entertainment is because a lot of these people, and that's why, like, you know, I've gone back and I've talked about in some of my videos where we used to love some of these people, you know what I mean? We used to share the tables with them at, at comic book conventions like 15, 20 years ago before all this was a big deal when we were just kind of growing up. You know, everybody, I mean, we might have made fun of like, you know, the vampire guys crossing their arms saying they were invisible when everybody yeah. could see them. But, but we still love them, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, there was still love, right? I mean, it was all in jest. You know, if they really got upset about it, we'd say, I'm sorry. And, and we, and, you know, we, we not, not like, you know, the, the Canadian way where like, you know, we apologize for someone else punching us, but, you know, so regularly. <laughs> but, um, sorry any canadians out there but uh, <laughs> uh you know we loved each other you know what i mean in our own way like we respected each other and then that became an animosity when everybody decided that okay well you know i learned from this and so my kids should learn from this and honestly it's it's sort of like i mean i hate to get like you know too social uh sociological and everything into it in the culture but if you look at it you look at like the millennials and how they you know they kind of embraced well i should be able to be anything and um, you know, and there's the whole thing about, I mean, there's, you know, all kinds of dissertations about how the millennials have ruined a lot of things. And they were like, you know, entitled and no, you know, not every prize is first prize and all this other kind of stuff. Well, you take those people, guess what? These are their kids. <laughs> exactly. Are, you, 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 you raise children. them on these. Yeah. So these people, these, these are post-somatically inclined people. Uh, postmatism is the, uh, like the warning, uh, configurations of, uh, nature, like, you know, weird colors and, and you know, s smells and that kind of thing. Anyway, sure. but these, uh, you know, postmatically inclined people and these in sort of like how they're dealing, you know, the the bi-centered he, him, she, zerzes, podikin are because they were told by their parents they could be anything they wanted. And they were given no reign. They were given no controls. They didn't tell them, like, look, you've got to deal with reality. You can't just keep running away from it. So instead of, like, escaping to that game, they jumped inside of it. They're playing black ops they're not you know you know what i mean like their world is black ops they're not playing it anymore and so they when they run into a situation they can't handle instead of dealing with that reality what they instead do is look for a cheat code you know yeah. no and absolutely. and their cheat code is being in, is being in the regressive liberal movement and having other people that want cheat codes too to life you know, I'm I'm not one to to overlook a good cheat code. You know, I mean, if I don't want to deal with it, if I just want to read the story in the game or something to that effect, you know what I mean. But in the world, I've found that it's better to deal with what's in front of me, and I think it makes a better person. And like in a narrative in a story, it makes a better story. I mean, would you want a character? Hey, oh well, you know, Ray. <laughs> I actually have a I have a a photo that I had created for my blog, which is basically the failure of Ray 
in the man versus self conflict, you know, in Star Wars, mm -hmm. uh, in The Last Jedi. I mean, she goes down there to face herself, right? To face her worst fears herself. What does she see? Just herself, nothing else. Like she's so boring, the dark force, the dark side doesn't even want anything to do with her. What does that say? <laughs> yeah, and keep Infinite. in mind, everyone, we're uh, talking about, uh, in a way, how to identify narcissism. And uh, the first one here is delusion on denial. Uh, but uh, let me move on to the second one, and you guys can continue. Oh, I do have one other point. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can totally see why Denali would come up with this because his last thing is always, you know, you you uh, create your own reality. Well, guess what? Here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and just uh, my little two cents on that is uh, uh, delusion is a very bad thing. Imagination is a wonderful thing. Lying. While delusion is more of an internal process, lying and denial is often in the context of other people. Uh, regular people deal with their problems by themselves, internally, or they discuss it in a very private setting, in therapy or among very close, healthy people. Narcissists don't have people like that in their life and are not really interested in actually resolving anything or being introspective. Narcissists simply want to know that they are in the right. For that, they need other people's false validation, validation and the, to regulate the shaky self -esteem, their shaky, shaky self-esteem. They need to find people who would agree with them. And in order for others to agree with them, these other people either need to be terribly unhealthy or unable to recognize the toxic ten their own toxic tendencies. Or the narcissist need to lie and present a different story than what is actually true. Here, they tend to flip the roles where they are good, noble, caring, virtuous, and other people uh, are the other person is evil, cruel, selfish, and immoral. Which brings us to the next point, which I will wait on. Uh, but yeah. uh, boy, I'm starting to see a picture I have recognized very closely for the past few years. Absolutely, and we see it in most of us has seen it a lot on Twitter, where a lot of the narcissism. Are, happens to get on Twitter and post a lot of things. Um, and we have seen it concentrated in the comic book industry with the creators where they are projecting this image. And if you don't agree with the image, they will run away from it. They don't want to deal with the criticism. They don't want to deal with the introspection. They don't want to face the reality. And they lie about it, that it's everybody's fault except my own. It's everybody's um problem except my own and if you don't agree with me then you're part of the problem and you are the problem mm -hmm. yep very good all right uh let me just keep reading i'm sure dr ray has an opinion well, let me add this to that opinion uh since we are getting tight on time uh projection the most common way narcissists create alternative narratives is by projecting uh we've talked about narcissistic projection in a separate article but to uh, extract the main point narcissists love to project yes they do uh if they say that the other person is jealous of them then you know that the narcissist is jealous if they say the other person was cruel to them then you know that the narcissist was cruel to the other person if they say that the other person was lying and cheating then you know that they were the one lying and cheating yes sometimes it's not as simple as there could be unhealthy behavior on both sides but more often than not uh, whatever the, the narcissist is presenting the other person as is as much more accurate description of the narcissist 
whenever the case may be, uh, the mechanism here is that in the narcissist's mind, they try to attribute their own unhealthy behavior, perspective, and character traits to the other person because it shifts attention and responsibility from them. And in the other person, uh, and if the other person is all these bad things, then it can't be that I am these things, thinks the narcissist. I'm the good guy here. Hmm. Boy. Absolutely. And I don't think I need to really put in depth of how a lot of projection is going on. You can't do this. This will fail. You are uh, bigots. You are racist. You are all these things. You are Nazis. And, but we keep talking about it and we keep, you know, being introspective and unpackaging. And, you know, a pattern is starting to emerge that a yeah. lot of people are starting to recognize. Mm. Dr. Wright? Frame the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's again, it's just that, I mean, I hate to keep going back to that. I sound like Jordan Peterson sometimes, but it is postmodern thought. It's the, it's the, uh, the concept that we're deconstructing everything around us. We reconstruct it in our image. And by doing so, you're limiting everything around you to only what you can do. I remember seeing like, and I remember d disliking, I used to go to this, uh, this website, comicbookmovie.com. I used to love it. It's horrible now because the only thing that people do is argue, you know? And I remember seeing the, seeing the kind of uh, the beginnings, the, the genesis of that was way back in like under the uh, movie, uh, Batman Begins, you know, and Nolan is kind of big on deconstruction, but he limits it. He's got a balance. Okay. And it's, you know, he, he tries to, you know, straddle that balance and he does an okay job in most movies. Uh, for Batman Begins to me was the best of the Batman movies, in my opinion, like because it felt like a comic book. Uh, the rest of them didn't feel like a comic book. They just felt like a, a noir drama somehow associated with Batman. Um, but that one, what I what I kind of enjoyed about it, you know, was that it was it was simple. It was a simple story. But it was interesting and we got into the characters, which I mean, that's really all we need in a, in a great story and a great show. Um, but in this case, one of the, uh, you know, the elements that it, that it keeps going against is, you know, like I said, these people kept saying things like, well, I can't do that kick. I couldn't lift that guy up. I couldn't do this. So therefore he can't. Right. Yeah. And you just limit yourself. There's no imagination. It's the same thing like cultural appropriation. Well, I'm not Indonesian. So that, you know that other person shouldn't be able to. And it's all these things. It's like, well, you know, you should only be able to do what you can do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why, in my opinion, they love politics because politics is basically like superheroism in their world because it's something anyone can do that affects everybody. Well, you know something I've learned because uh, I've traveled all over the world, man, and I've met cultures from all over the world. I've, I've learned their languages. I've spoken with them, interacted with them. And you know, the one thing I've learned, the one truth that I have found throughout all my travels, people are people. It doesn't matter where you're from. We're not hardly different at all. We're literally not that different. I mean, we have some small cultural differences, but they are small. People are the same. You go to China, you go to Mexico City, you go to Germany, uh, wherever you go, they're not different. They're just like you. Uh, so having someone that uh, saying that, oh, you're not from Indonesia, so you can't write what an Indonesian would know, it's nonsense. An Indonesian knows and thinks and feels just like you do. We're human. 
That's all you need. Somebody to should post the uh, the lyrics to Depeche Mode. People are people because yes. that's exactly what it's about. Exactly. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, let, me, let me read the next two sections, uh, uh, and uh, uh, then you guys can comment again. Uh, framing the story. Narcissists also like to truncate the story and present only the bit where the aggressive party uh, reacted to their toxic behavior. Framing is as if that's where the story started. And there's a picture over here that has a, a guy on a camera and there's a narcissist chasing someone with a knife and the victim is running away. Uh, or they twist it by using euphemisms and deceiving language. <clears throat> example, I'm not controlling. I just want what's best for you. For example, if a narcissist, narcissist dislikes you and tries to bully you, but uh, you stand up for yourself, then uh, they will frame it as if uh, they are the one being a victim of the bullying. Uh, in their narrative, they were just doing the thing or joking around and you started being mean to them. Meanwhile, they simply left out what happened beforehand uh, when they bullied you. So actually you being mean to them is a normal response to toxic, toxic behavior. Here, by leaving out or downplaying their aggressive, uh, aggressive uh, aggression, excuse me, uh, they simply frame uh, you engaging in self-defense as vile aggression against them. And then they think, how dare you react or challenge me? You're so sensitive and unfair. That's why you deserve everything that's coming. Slander, triangulation, character assassination. There are several ways... Uh, how the narcissist employs, employs their lies and project, projection. And the goal is always to turn others against you in a hope that they won't try to figure out the truth. One of the ways to do this is triangulation. In psychology, it means controlling and manipulating communication between two parties. It is related to gossiping, smearing, and slandering, where the narcissist spreads false information around. A more extreme version of all of that is character assassination, where the lies are much more severe and damaging. Now, uh, this is definitely something we see going on all the time, guys. Right, go ahead, Denali. So let me read um, something from a bleeding cool about Richard Meyer. And it's actually something that Mark Wade wrote. I have called into Antarctic press until I hear back. I'm hesitantly willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't really understand who or what they're getting into business with, which though it may seem a stretch is a possibility. If I do hear back, I'll report in curious as how I'll, to curse as to how they feel about publishing creator who marketing strategy is allegedly cough encourage the fans to threaten the employees of stores and or, or harass and one star review bomb stores that don't order their products are we as creator responsible for the actions of our fans ultimately of course not but it's morally bankrupt and it continues on but when does that not kind of fit the definitions that you've just been reading. Absolutely. And speaking of the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, narcissism is the absolute perfect term for what's going on. And uh, everything we just read through, which is a, uh, a psychological look at how to identify narcissism, applies perfectly. Not, not 50%, not 70%, 100% of it applies perfectly to what we see going on all the time. Uh, and uh, Mark Wade is a straight up example of that. So I guess Mark Wade is a narcissist. Correct. Because if you if you scroll down a little bit, mm -hmm. 
um, Chester and look, we look at his, what he's telling everybody why he's getting sued. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mention anything about it. He only mentioned that he's standing up for the rights of women, small minority, the LTGBQ plus community. But he doesn't mention that he made a call to Antarctic Press. Um, no, it doesn't. Stopping the eight. He doesn't talk about, you know, why he's being uh, sued for defamation uh, or anything like that. He only talks about, look at this. I'm the victim. I'm standing against these bigots projecting delusion, lying, manipulation. It's a mirror of what we just read. Absolutely. Yeah. It's perfect. It it, it lines it up exactly 100%. That's what I said. And then these people who are paying him, you know, for these are actual enablers who either are based on the article we read are toxic himself, giving false positive validations um, and supporting his delusion by supporting him with this GoFundMe. Wow. Now that does wrap it right up uh, quite nicely, uh, Dr. Wright. Uh, you have any opinions here as we're getting ready to close out the show, but uh Thank you very much for bringing that article, Janelle. I think it uh, it's a mm-hmm. very serious thing. There's no real joking on, go, uh, joking around going on there, but uh, it does give us a straight up view of what we've been seeing on the other side. Uh, if you weren't able to put it into a single word, now you can. They're narcissists. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your comment on that, Doctor Ray? Well, I mean, I think it's it's mostly done, but I would say that, uh, like I said in the chat, the unfortunate part about it is it's like a disease. In that it's infectious. I mean, people, you know, everybody wants to be somebody like once you have one snowflake, well, you know, they talk to somebody, they're like, yeah, but you know, you could be awesome too. You could be in my world. And then we could, I could be part in your world and we could both be awesome. And you know, who doesn't want to be awesome? Who doesn't want to be, you know, liked or whatever it is or accepted, you know, in some way. And so it's, it's, you know, it's like an infectious disease, but the problem is, is it's like, we're all like a tapestry. We're intertwined and, you know, whatever you do and you bring into my life affects me and vice versa. And so when they come in there and they do that, they're, they're wrecking people's lives and they don't care about it. You know what I mean? They're completely changing their existence, not for the better. It's in detriment to society as a whole. I, mean, I just, you know, I just like the entire regressive movement. So let me add this because it goes with the idea about it. As a result, sometimes people get hurt socially, financially, emotionally, and even physically. But the narcissism doesn't care about that. In fact, they are often glad because in their narrative, the victim deserve it by being evil. So whatever happened is justified. So and even in their mind, they feel like whatever they've done is justified. That's why he's um, Mark Wade and others are adamant about they're doing the right thing because in their eyes they're justified to the evil the perceived evils that they see happening and they're projecting their own insecurities their own um bias their own bigotous you know everything that they're calling us is actually a projection from them and you have to just call it out when it is and say sorry i'm not going to validate your narcissism please seek help you know, and do that because because if enough people do it, they cannot turn away from it. And most likely or not, you'll either be uh, chain blocked or they will ignore you and call it harassment. They're not going to they're not willing to deal with it. But you just have to say, 
hey, I see what you're doing. You're a narcissism. Go get help because you're not getting any validation from me. And just walk away. And, of course, the media is uh, encouraging and uh, uh, strengthening their positions and just uh, enabling them, really. Uh, so that's why it's not getting better. It's getting worse. But anyway, thank you very much, uh, uh, Denali Lama. Namaste. Uh, very uh, uh, insightful look at uh, at what the narcissist is. And for anybody who is listening, you can see very clearly this is what we're seeing out of these progressive uh, so-called SJWs. Uh, that's exactly what they are. Uh, and it's an unfortunate thing because it's affecting our whole world, not just our world, uh, that is comic books, but everything. And it's a, it's a problem that needs to be solved in some way or another. And I'm curious to see how that's going to work out in the future. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you all very much for coming and joining us for the news today. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, some interesting articles, and we're going to come back to you every day and do that. Uh, just keep in mind that uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there's always something going on over here. Uh, we're doing the news. We're doing uh, Bugbear Base, Bugbear's Basement on Tuesdays. Uh, we have Fan Speak on Fridays, of course. Uh, we do the Drone Recorded sometimes as it rotates around, but I'm always emceeing that, so please come check that out. It's uh, a lot of fun doing the fan edition of that. Uh, check out all our links. Support us. Remember that that art contest is going on. We had a great stream earlier with some great artists. Uh, doing their Fanspeak uh, logo and mascots to present it to everyone. Get yours in too. Uh, be part of it. Just go ahead to the uh, uh, Fanspeak Facebook group, join us, and you'll see that announcement right at the top from Denali, and you'll be able to drop uh, your submission in there. Uh, so thank you all very much, and I'm going to go around here and get any ca contact information you may have. Uh, go ahead, Denali, tell them where they can find you, sir. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Denali101. Um, and you can sh uh, shoot me a DM or tweet at me, and I'll usually reply. I'm also on FanSpeak uh, group page on Facebook. I'm always posting in news um, and checking out the web page. You know, if you have any questions or anything, hit us up there as well. And uh, for a little bit of homework, uh, we are doing the over and underrated on Tuesday in the basement, and the book and issue that we're going to be reading is going to be uh, Animal Man, Issue 5 by Grant Morrison. So for those who are going to join us that day, read up on that issue because we want to hear what you say and, you know, come join the fun. Absolutely, man. Dr. Wright, tell everyone where we can find you and all your goodness, sir. Well, I'm at, uh, at Dr. Wright is in on Twitter. And from there, you can find me uh, on my YouTube. I'm also uh, a FanSpeak member, so feel free to, you know, reach out to me there if you would like. And uh, that's pretty much. Oh, and I have a a blog site that I yeah I need to <laughs> work at keeping up more regularly. It is uh, co8r.com. That's Chronicles of Eight Realms.com. So feel free to come there and drop me a comment on any blogs that you see. All right. Well, thank you very much. And of course, a big thank you to all of the of those uh, that are sitting here watching us and sharing with us in the chat and uh, just watching from home. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you guys uh, joining us and being part of what we're doing. Uh, so uh, we will see you all tomorrow, of course. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap. Later, everybody. Aloha.